five, four, three, two, one. All right, everybody. Welcome to the premiere episode of America.com. My name is Richard Doc Hayden, and I'm here with Randall Harpo Harper. And we're both Iraq veterans. We both served in Fallujah in 2005 with 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines. I was the corpsman, hence Doc. And what'd you do, Harpo? Radio operator. I was the battalion commander's radio operator. So we were, uh, we served together and we stayed in touch all these years. And we started this podcast because in the last couple of years, definitely since 2016, but even earlier, we started to see some fissures and some, some things in American society that, and especially politics that we're kind of worried about and that we're concerned with. So we wanted to get together and talk about it. Now, I'm on the left. I'm a Democrat. And Harpo, you are on the right, correct? Correct. All right. So we decided we're going to get together now and we're going to talk about these issues and see where we're coming from and try to give an everyday and every man's kind of perspective and a veteran's perspective as well. So, so Harpo, where, just give a little background about yourself. Where are you located? Located in a city called LaGrange, Georgia, about an hour, hour 15 minutes south of Atlanta over here in the great state of Georgia. Uh, down in right. the southeast. Cool, cool. And I'm located in uh, Los Angeles, California, originally from New York. So he's definitely in the middle of a very, you know, a rural red state area. And I'm kind of in the heart of blue state urban. So we got opposite ends of the political spectrum, but we're going to have to talk about what's going on and hear what's happened from the uh, other side. So, so here we are. We're exactly one week away from the presidential election and it's been building up for months and months and months and months but i'm just going to open up and i'm going to say uh harpo so so why do you support donald trump i support him because I, I i like his vision i see his vision better than i can see you biden's vision on what he wants to do with the country so i'm i'm all for trump i like what he's doing i like what he's done i like what he says he's gonna do so yeah, he, uh, he got my vote. All right, and and like, what is it specifically that you uh, like about? Him? Like, what are some of his specific policies or some of the things he's done that you support? Well, of course, of course, being a veteran, he's 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 pro he's pro veterans. He love he loves us, so he's done a lot for us. He's he's made some promises and he's kept those promises and what he was going to do with the you know just immigration for one thing. I think uh, this is probably the best the immigration's been in a in a while. The, the control of it. You know, we got Mexico working with us. I mean, granted, it's probably still crazy right there on the border towns. They'll probably think different. But as far as uh, right here in Georgia, I've seen a difference. All right. All right. And, and kind of speaking of Georgia, I mean, uh, I know you can't speak for for uh, the whole state, but um, how is Georgia spread up? You know, when I kind of think of Georgia, I think of a, you know, a sub, deep southern state that's all red, but I'm sure it's not consistently red throughout. Like, what are some of the, um, you, you uh, know, you know, I'm glad you said that. Cause, uh, I've, I've, you know, I've done a little homework, you know, Georgia since 1900 in the presidential election, since 1900, Georgia has voted 19 times for Democrat, 10 times for a Republican and one time for an independent. Ah, all right. So Georgia, Georgia has been blue more than they have red when it comes to terms of president. Interesting, interesting. I, I, you caught me, you caught me flat-footed. I wish I had 
California's statistics at uh, mm. here now. <laughs> I mean, I could I could tell you we were we were blue from 1900 to 1964. Our first red wasn't until 1964 when we voted a uh, Barry Goldberg or Goldwater mm-hmm. was the nominee, mm-hmm. and he lost to uh, he didn't actually win. He actually lost to Lyndon B. Johnson. Mm-hmm. That was that was the first time a uh, Republican won in the state of Georgia electoral votes. Mm-hmm. All right, so. So from your, from my knowledge, you know, Atlanta is, you know, very democratic. Are there some other, you know, democratic strongholds in uh, Georgia? There is, you know, uh, I would say, I would say Macon, Georgia may be a little bit of a Democrat. Uh, There's there's probably a a heavy blue in in Macon, Columbus, a lot of, a lot of the bigger cities Mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia. Got uh, it. Would be considered, you know, the, the blue hot spots for the state. You know, your 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 boy Biden was in Georgia today. He was actually ah, he was right. actually he was actually about an hour away from here, from right here from my home. He was over in Warm Springs, Georgia. And and you didn't go uh, see him. You didn't go see him. What's up? Well, you know that you know the, you know the 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 the, the Trump parade was there. there. I seen all that on the uh, on the news. So he he come in. He actually drove into his thing, and all the Trump supporters were on the road welcoming him. You know, holding their signs. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he got a good red, warm welcome, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's cool. But right. he, uh, you know, Warm Springs has a lot of history with the presidency. So that's where Roosevelt would come, hence the name of Warm Springs. He had that that disease, that polio. He'd come down to Warm Springs. There's actually a place called the Little White House where he lived while he was down here getting mm-hmm. treatments. Mm-hmm. So, All right. There's a little Ooh. presidential history down there in Warm Springs. Cool. Cool. All right. So, so now in, in LaGrange and kind of your surrounding area is, is mostly um, a Republican then, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, Republicans, we got a Republican mayor. We got, uh, you know, mostly Republican county commissioners mm-hmm. and city, city, and city council. I mean, there's a, there's a few Democrats in there. It's pretty bipartisan, but we, you know, as far as I see it, we all, it ain't like what you see on TV around here. I mean, we get along pretty well. There's no, no riding back and forth or nothing between uh-huh. the. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody around here knows they got to get up and go to work tomorrow, regardless of who holds that yeah. office. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. They they they, t- they take our money. They don't sign our paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now let me ask you this, because you know one of the things I think it's hard for people in general, but 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 people in LA who maybe don't know too many Republicans or maybe they don't don't have a lot of um, people in their immediate circle that are Republican. Like we see some of the stuff that Trump does, like his his Twitter feed, some of the things that he says, you know, some of his policies, like, you know, pulling us out of the Paris Climate Accord and uh, some of the things like that. You know, how do you respond to that? I mean, we were losing money at the end of the day. You know, America was getting taken advantage of. So I mean, like, like that's that's my vision. I see eye to eye with him on is his American first agenda. Mm-hmm. If the deal is not good for America, then why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we put him in office to protect this country and make this country successful. And I feel that he's done that in the last four years. And you know, you know, are you worried about, for example? Him talking about pulling out of NATO or weakening some of those ties with our with our traditional international allies, I think things like that. Well, I mean, first of all, he's a businessman, so he's going to say a lot. 
know whether he does what he says every time, but if it's, he has to say something in negotiation, that's a part of negotiation. I mean, like you know, you got to read, but you got to read the, between the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he he's a businessman. He knows how to make a deal, and I, I feel that all the deals he's made so far, maybe not all of them, but majority of them have benefited the country of America. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, good to go. Yeah, because you know, so one of the things that I, well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to go back on that just a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. On, on top of everything that he's been going through, you know, with with the whole, you know, with the whole left's agenda, trying to get him out and this and the Russian hoax, and you know, on top of all of that, he's still able to perform his duties. Because I don't, I don't know how many men out there could do that. To be honest with you, I, I know I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean. So I mean, I have to applaud him for that. I mean, he on 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 his daily basis. I, I'd hate to see what his daily calendars normally is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so I'm not, you know, I'm not from South. I'm from I'm from New York, and I and one of the things that got me is, you know, I kind of grew up with this dude, and you know, while I was a kid, he he was always in the news, and it was always for something like his, you know, his casinos. And I remember when his casinos went bankrupt. And he was taking out ads against uh, Central Park joggers and stuff. So uh, I guess, do any of his, his you know, potential business dealings or like conflicts of interest, did any of those bother you at all? No. I mean, he's, he's, he hadn't took a paycheck since he's been in office. I mean, he's donated every one of his checks so far. I mean, the, guy, the guy's not doing it for the money, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing it because he believes what, you know, what this country needs is, 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 his, is his vision. And uh, I think he's got the team behind him to push that on across the finish line. And again, that's why he got my vote. Got it. Uh, and how how about his response to COVID? I mean, COVID's just, it's an, I mean, he, he shut the country down. I think that was probably one of the last things that he ever wanted to do, but he did it anyway. I know COVID is, is, is serious. He knows it's serious. I mean, you know, he just, he just got over it. I don't think he's playing it like it's a joke, like the media outlets are making it out to be. I think deep down he wants to get to a, a, an end to this, but what's the end? I don't think a shot's going to be the end. I think I think we're just, as a country, we're going to have to, I personally think we're going to have to learn to live with it, just like any other flu or disease out there. Mm-hmm. All right. It's just going to gonna take time. Uh-huh. And what you know? What has the response to COVID been like in the Grange? I mean, are people wearing masks? Has there been resistance to it? How how has oh, yeah, people I mean, respond to it? Yeah, I mean, you got to wear. I mean, it's not mandatory mask, but mm-hmm. we've got you know common courtesy. And if a sign on the door at a business says "wear a mask," I wear mm-hmm. a mask. Uh, mm-hmm. But but my little my local convenience store that I go in and out of every day. Mm-hmm. If, I to, if I have to run in and grab a gallon of milk or something for dinner off the shelf, I don't. I don't put a mask on. I go in there and get it because I'm not. I'm not around anybody. So I mean, but school, school kids have to wear a mask in school all day, uh, mm-hmm. except except for lunchtime. I have to wear. It. My kids have to wear it on the school bus. I mean, mm-hmm. they've. Uh, they, we're we're doing everything the CDC tells us to do. Mm-hmm. As far right. as that goes. All right, Doc. Uh, what is it that uh, that you see in Biden as a as potential to be a great president, or to be be the president? 
Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I got to say that I'm I'm not in love with Biden. I think I think he's okay. I think he's going to do a good job, but I'm not crazy about him. But what I will say about Biden is he is uh, he's an upright and he's a decent guy. You know, he always talks about being from Scranton and having these you know these working class roots, and I think he's telling the truth about that. And I think that's the real deal. I'm a a little concerned about his health. Um, and sometimes some of his cognitive facilities, I will say though, that some of that, he does have a stutter and I don't want to, I certainly don't want to excuse him if he is having some cognitive problems, but he does have a stutter, which does make him look a little awkward in public. And that's something I didn't learn until a couple of months ago, but he's an upright guy. He's an honest guy. I know he's going to surround himself with uh, the competent people, good people. And I actually... I studied international affairs and international. I've done a lot of traveling in my life and international policy is one of the things that I'm very concerned about. And one of the things that I, the two things that I'm uh, very concerned about on a global level that I think he's going to, going to be very effective at is when it comes to global security, just managing our relationships with our, our traditional allies, you know, our NATO partners. I do hope that he takes a bit of a tougher stance on China than Obama did, but I want him to take a productive stance too. I want him to implement solid policies. And then also on climate change too, because I I live in California and California, at least in the U.S., is kind of ground zero for climate change. And we've seen you know the drought. We've had, we've we're we had a little relief a couple of years ago, but we're we're still in the middle of a drought right now. Where as we speak, there are some fires in and around LA County, and I'm really hoping that he takes some productive steps towards getting some of that problem solved. I know, you know, one of the things in the debate that definitely upset some people and riled some feathers was saying when he said we have to transition out of uh, off of oil, but I think you know eventually. We're going to have to, and I hope that we are able to do it in, such, in an innovative way where we embrace some you know, alternative technologies, clean energy technologies, things that I don't even uh, see down the pipe yet. And I think that he's, he understands that, and he's going to hopefully, my hope, if he is elected, is to incorporate that into a larger jobs and economic prosperity package. So fingers crossed. Okay. Well, uh, go back to the... Uh working with China, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that his stance uh, with China is going to be give China what they want first? Yeah. And, I, and, I'm instead of, like, like Trump's done, got us out of, like you say, in the Paris deal, the NAFTA, he's changed. Do you think when, if, if Biden gets in there, he's going to go and retract on all of those and make up his own? Or do you think what? he's going to try to piggyback off of it and, and make the deal better? Well, I, I think that there are so there, there are a couple of things that he's okay. Let me let me t- let's talk about China first. I, I there are actually before that I'm gonna there there are three things, and I'm gonna be honest. There are three things that Trump has done that I approve of. Number one, and I was surprised about this because I thought that he wouldn't do this. Number one, he hasn't gotten us involved in any unnecessary military conflicts. He was actually when he was campaigning, he made it very clear that he doesn't like unnecessary military conflicts. And he wasn't a big fan of Iraq, even though you and I were in Iraq, but he wasn't a big fan of the war. But I thought that after he got elected, he kind of saw, especially with his overtures to the military, and he saw some of the political utility in 
the military that he would get us engaged in some places. And he has it. And to his credit, he has it. I, I will definitely give him that. The, the second, um, and I'll give him half credit for this, he recognizes that China is a threat. And China is, we need to have a balanced relationship with China because we do need to trade with them. They're a very important economic partner. But at the same time, they're, they're also emerging as a military and strategic rival too, which we need to address. And the third, and I'll give him half on this, North Korea, even though I don't think we're any closer to North Korea denuclearizing than, uh, uh, than we were before he was elected. He did reach out to Kim Jong-un. I don't like that he, I don't like his embrace of dictators and some of these global strongmen, but we went from a total deep freeze with North Korea to a little bit of a thought. So to be fair, I'll give him those three. But with with China, with Biden, with China, I hope. I but my my issue with Trump in China is that he's had a bit of a ham-handed fo- uh, policy where he's correctly highlighted some of the dangers that China um, poses, but he has just kind of started this this trade war without any other or without a deeper strategic understanding. So my 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 hope with Biden is that he kind of sees China for what they are and is able to balance the trade aspect of it with the sort of emerging military aspect of it as well. Okay. I know my, mm-hmm. I know, I know the farmers love, love what Trump done with the whole putting the tariffs and getting China mm-hmm. to, you know, the farmers have, have benefited a lot and this is a lot around here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ask, I hope for the farmer's sake that, and then you know the It'll other thing, with, and then the the other thing with with Biden too, Trump. You know, I think at, at least for for all of us, uh, you know, all us Democrats and all of us on the left, like Biden is able to turn the temperature down. You know, like like one one of my things, Trump. Trump always turning the temperature, and he always he did it in New York too. And like he can't just like for like sometimes like he, he won't do it now during the. Um, the heat of the election, but like there's sometimes where in these last couple of years where I'm like, Trump, man, can you just like, just don't tweet for, for, give us like three days, man. Like give us three days, let us all take a breather, man. And like, just like, just like, don't turn the, the temperature up. And I think Biden is going to turn the temperature down. So, but now let me ask you, let me ask you this. In our previous conversations, you were a little leery of Biden. Why is that? Well, like he he's he's been in there my whole he's been in Congress or the government my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't I really don't know what he can do for me as president that you know he, he's never done for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean I like I said I ain't but thirty seven so he was in he was in office ten years before I was even born so. He's a career politician, and I don't think a career politician is who we need as president. And, right. I, and that, and I just, I, I can't see his vision. Or I can't see me in his vision. If that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. But, I mean, I'm going to be here. I ain't leaving America, regardless of yeah. who wins. But I just, who knows? I mean, if he becomes president, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life the same way I'm living it now. I'm not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And do you think that let me let me ask you this. 
just in general, and I, I know you can't speak for all all Republicans, but do you think that the Biden in particular and Democrats just in general, uh, what, you know, what do they have to offer you? Because you said you didn't see yourself in his vision. I mean, from what I, well, from what you see on the TV, all you see is the Democrats is just bitching and moaning and groaning. You really don't see them wanting to get any anything done. They just mm-hmm. want Trump. They just want Trump gone. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what what Trump has done to the Democratic Party or what he knows about the Democratic Party that has everybody in such an uproar that won't. They, I mean, they want to carry his head out on a pitchfork mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of Washington D.C. So. From what I see on, on on the news and what I read, the the Democrats are are not willing to uh, to work until he's gone. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I and I don't want him gone. So I don't, I don't know. There's gonna have to be a breaking point somewhere. We'll have to let the American voters decide on who they want. Either they're gonna go with Trump, or else they're gonna change the House, change the Senate. Mm-hmm. I wish they would go to term term limits in Congress. To be honest with you, I I agree. And actually, uh. One little thing I was I was thinking about and discussing with another friend of mine. You know, we just yesterday Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court, and I think one thing that would I, I agree with you on the term limits. The other thing that I think I would like to see Supreme Court term limits because I would like every president to have the opportunity to nominate somebody, and then you know we don't have to worry about you know somebody being on the court for like you know. 40 or 50 years but that's an that's another conversation for another time so okay so the um how long do you think a term limit should be oh you know something i uh, for for the supreme court no congress oh congress i think if it for the house of representatives since there are since there are two year uh terms i would say probably you know what I would, let me. I'll, I'll say it like this: since Senate, since the Senate are six-year terms, they should be two terms, two terms of six years. And for the House, just to keep it consistent, I would say six two-year terms. So I'd say five two-year terms for the House. Mm-hmm. Is what I would like to see. Is that yeah. what? That's still, that still that would still give them two presidents. That, that's that's true. Yeah, I could. Two, I could. Two, I could two, five, I'd, yeah. I'd give them two administrations to work under. In the Senate, mm-hmm. same thing. Twelve years, you could possibly work with. If you hit it at the right time, you could possibly work with three. But and I say, if you you know you do your twelve in the Senate, you want to get out and run for the House, you can run for that. Mm-hmm. So you, you could you could do twenty two years, but that would be the max for me. You got to go. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think that that would be that would be uh, ideal. And yeah, and I'm all about eight for the presidency, uh, obviously. Yeah. That's, so, and that's I believe. I believe if they, if they, if I, I might be mistaken about the years here, but if they were going to rotate it so that every president had at least one, I believe it would be. Or excuse me, for, if they were going to do it so that the president had at least um, one Supreme Court pick, then I believe it would be an 18-year term. Although I might be mistaken about that, but whatever the whatever the rotation was to have to have each president get at least one pick. And I also think too that that would it would take the it would take the temperature down but it would also give a chance for different ideas to come through. The other thing actually 
that because I actually I we you know so let me let's let's go back to one of the big topics for conversation now is stacking the Supreme Court. And I don't think stacking the Supreme Court that's a good way. I do support uh, eliminating the filibuster though, and I actually think that that will in the long run help Republicans as well because the it'll give both party both parties the minority has. Uh, the opportunity to veto, and, and that's good, perhaps with the most extreme legislation. But I got a question. I got a question for you, now, right? Here. Go ahead. What's up? Why? I mean, I, I kind of asked it a while ago. Why do the Democrats hate Trump so much? Why do they hate him so much? All right. So I'll, I'll tell you. There are a, there are a couple of things, and and I'm, I'm going to give you a big answer for this because. We're going to see what um, what history says. And I think a lot of a lot of 20 or 30 years from now, I'm going to be very interested on in what history says about Trump. But one of the things that the, the, I think the race issue is very, a very sore topic, the race and actually Trump's treatment of women as well. So, you know, when he came down, when he started up, came down the escalator and said, you know, Mexico sending rapists and then the. Um, you know, the whole grab him by the pussy and all of his accusations of sexual assault. Uh, I think that that's just behavior unbecoming of a president. And I think that that makes its way down through his decisions. Um, now, there's another thing, too. One of the things that I'm very worried about is his authoritarian tendencies and the way he's, you know, always demonizing the media and demonizing his opponents and the way he speaks about his opponents and i i don't i there are there are problems and problems with the media which i'm sure in future podcasts we're going to discuss and the media is not perfect but you know the fact that he is kind of weaponizes this term uh fake news and his his use of alternative or his um this idea of alternative facts and he kind of lives in this separate universe i think is very scary and it's kind of his support he's almost in some ways fascistic and i don't i don't i don't use that term lightly he's he's not hitlerian he doesn't have this over i don't think he has this you know overall genocidal type philosophy but he does have these strongman tendencies that are very very alarming and you know i know one of the things that that i'm a little worried about and we're going to have to see how it plays out is the election next week if there are some it turns out there are some uh there are some delays because this is this election is going to be um, delayed because of COVID and because of the delayed voting. You know, how is he going to respond? Is he going to he's all he talks about, like he talks about not accepting the results. And I mean, that's unheard of. Oh, you know, he, he, he's going to accept the results. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't well, think I hope so. You know, uh, I hope so. And, and when I talked about, you know, when I talked about Trump and history, the what one of the things one of the things that was said early on one of the i forget i unfortunately i forget the writer's exact name but she was talking about uh, trump in 2016 and she said that liberals take him literally but not seriously and conservatives take him seriously but not literally and i hope you know i hope that it, i mean if he if he wins next tuesday then he wins and he'll be he'll be fine but if the he doesn't win I do hope that he, you know, shakes hands and leaves office as graciously as possible. So, so those are those are, I think, are some of the biggest concerns. And then, um, last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, with the Supreme Court justices, like he has, 
nominated three, nominated and, and gotten confirmed three very, very, very conservative Supreme Court justices, which I'm sure pleases the right to no end. But at the same time, there there doesn't seem to be any sort of consideration of all right, we're gonna we're gonna pick somebody that is not quite middle of the road, but that has a, bit, a broader view of jurisprudence, and it's just cyber conservative. So, in a nutshell, that's it. Well, I mean, you know what he said. He said we're gonna win. We're gonna win big. Mm-hmm. You got to start somewhere. Start at the Supreme Court, where you know the, you can't get them out of there. Next, mm-hmm. next to next, we got to work on. The, we got the Senate. We just got to work on the House. But now, let me let me ask you a question. So in 2016, Mitch McConnell didn't bring Merrick Garland up for vote, refused to, to give Merrick Garland a vote, um, Obama's nominee, claiming that, you know, if we were in an election year and we should let the people decide, but he did do it for Amy Coney Barrett. And, and that, that, that's one of the things that really infuriated people on the left. And to be, to be completely fair, I, I don't think that the sin was necessarily in nominating Amy Coney Barrett, because if Democrats were in, they'd do it. Um, at the end. And he had every constitutional right to. I think that it was not given Merrick Garland the hearing in 2016. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, you know, Obama was on his way out. He, he couldn't run for office again. So there's no sense in, you know, you might as well just wait until the new president gets in there if it's that close. Trump, he can still win this re-election. So if he nominates someone, you might as well get her, get her on in there and let her go to work. Instead of leaving that seat open, the country's got to keep going. But let's get Let's jump back on the... Uh, on the COVID train, mm-hmm. it's a global pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a global, it's a global pandemic, but we don't, I don't know if you see it out there on the West coast, but over here on the East coast, we don't see any other countries talking so much about it. Like we do. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that pretty accurate out there too? Or? Well, actually we, we right now, uh, I've been following it a bit around the world. Europe is starting to see flare ups again. Brazil has gotten hit really hard. India has gotten hit really hard. Russia got hit pretty hard. And then certain countries in South America got hit pretty hard as well. The only countries, there are a handful of countries that seem to have done really, really well with it. New Zealand's one. Even China's, I hate to say it, China's done, done well with it. They're able to basically nail their citizens into their apartments, into their homes when uh, they get it. So they have a tool, uh, authoritarian tool to deal with that we don't. But no, I've seen it's affected the, the rest of the world as well. Okay. I just, yeah, you don't, you don't hear a lot of, you don't, you don't see it on the news here, countries. Got it. And uproars as much as we are, which is a serious thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people, people are dying from it. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's, I have read some recent reports that there's, there, there are some, some protests in Europe, some, uh, some lockdown protests. I think that they're starting to get a little tired of it. I have actually read a couple of great pieces in The New Yorker by um, uh, I, I, he's a Western he's journalist. I believe he's American. And again, his name escapes me at the moment. But he was in China uh, in January. He's based in China. He was in China in January, February, March. Oh, actually, really in it the, the um in China this whole time and he wrote a couple of great pieces about what was going on over there but uh have you have you traveled any since the corona outbreak no flown? no i actually we <clears throat> we went to a wedding in south carolina just over a year ago and 
since then, I've left LA County, I think three times on short drives. Yeah, well, three or four what? times. Down to San Diego once, out to Joshua Tree twice. Okay. We, I flew, we, we flew to, we flew, you know, we flew out to Vegas a couple, well, probably a month ago, a month and a half ago. So let me It was pretty, pretty interesting. How, yeah, how was it? How, how was that? We flew Delta. It was, it was easy peasy, you know, the, mm-hmm. they had all the middle seats open, so you wasn't sitting next to anybody. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Had to wear a mask the whole flight, mm-hmm. which is, which is fine. Only thing that sucked is they didn't. Didn't serve any alcoholic beverages unless you're first class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not the first class type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what sucked sucked the most about the flight, especially the flight home from C. They flew us from Vegas to Seattle and Seattle home. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah that, oh. that, that Seattle to Atlanta was not a fun flight without a oh. shot of whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> oh man. So, um, all right, well. So let me uh, stay, staying on COVID. You know, from our point of view, from from, from what I've seen, it, it's Trump hasn't seemed to take it seriously. But one of the one of the criticisms that we had was some of the states opened up too early, and Georgia was one of those. Brian Kemp is your governor, correct? Correct. Right. Yeah, we were actually we might have been the first state to open back up. I, I think you might have been. So, how has you talked a little bit about this that you follow the guidelines of the CDC? But how did the response of just your, your neighbors and people in Georgia, how did they respond to Kemp's reopening? I mean, we were all for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, everybody except the ones, you know, there was probably some people that took advantage of that whole you getting the extra $600 a, a week unemployment, mm-hmm. you know, during that first stimulus package. But for the most part, everybody, you know, people who own their own business, people who actually enjoy working because there are some folks out there that get to do enjoy working. They, they wanted to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were all for it. We were behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just do what we could do, do what we've been doing. Wear your mask. And mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't sneeze and spit on folks. I mean, that's just common sense. Really? Yeah. A lot of it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Cause it was, it was interesting out here in California because um, governor Gavin Newsom, he, very early on, he shut down the state. And actually, San Francisco was the first municipality in the country to shut down. And then Newsom, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was actually the first one to shut the state down. And early on, California was doing great. California was doing really, really, really good for the first few months. And then June, July, um, we had some pretty crazy outbreaks. And it was New York, I, you know, it was near and dear to my heart. I was very, very sad to see see what happened in New York, which you know, made sense because everybody in New York lives on top of one another. And But yeah, you know, New York, everybody's living on top of each other. Back when I lived there, I used to take the subway and we used to, you know, rush hour, one subway car, you might have 100 people, 100, 150 people in it. And I mean, it's just, it's it wasn't, it didn't surprise me at all when it just went when it just went wild out there and LA is a little more, a little more spread out. Uh, San Francisco's a bit denser than LA, but the numbers. So yeah, mm-hmm. so y'all got a lot. Y'all have way more people than we got too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, so, California is yeah, very, very, um, but there are parts of California that are pretty rural as well. And those areas obviously didn't get hit as hard, but, but yeah, then we had, um, Orange County is a very, 
Republican County, and it's just south of L.A. It's in between L.A. and San Diego counties. And there were some it was around Memorial Day or, or, or early in the summer. There were a bunch of anti-mask protests and everybody in L.A. was kind of like, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? Like, <laughs> just keep the masks on, you know. But right. um, but yeah, they're kind of they're kind of blown over. They're kind of blown over now. So, yeah, I got to ask, do you wear do you wear do you wear the mask when you're inside your car by yourself? <laughs> no, you know what I do? I sort of hang it from the side of my um, side of my face. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, every once in a while, I'll forget. But then, like, like two or three minutes into the drive, I'll like, I'll, I'll take it off. But yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ripping, I'm ripping that, I'm ripping that thing off as soon as I walk, walk outside of the door where yeah. I gotta wear it. <laughs> so, yeah, I got. Well, luckily, I actually was able to acquire a bunch of really good fitting masks. So yeah, you, you work at the hospital. Yeah, so yeah you a doc. You, you probably used to wearing those masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work at a hospital and can't go into too much detail, but we have, you know, our hospital was obviously hit, you know, very, very significantly. And you know, we're, we we've definitely the cases have gone down very, very much. They they hit a peak in July. July it was really, really bad, and it's gone down now. All right, so yeah, I tell you, I tell you, they 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 shut down the churches and all that around here for a while. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches went virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them, I think, are still still doing the whole virtual thing. Yeah. Well, and you know, mm-hmm. to get to get on to to get on Trump, and one of the things this this wasn't all Trump, but I think that um, America's big problem with the response is we looked at it as an either or situation. Either we stay open and we just plow through, or we shut everything down and we stay closed. And we lose the economy. And I don't know if it was ever like that. And some, and I think some some liberals were guilty of that too, a little more on the the shutdown. And, and I think that you know what I would like to see is you know everybody stand behind that. It seems like the American people have gotten the, behind the idea of masks. But every every politician, every public servant saying you know wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask because a mask. Isn't going to, it's not going to make it go away, but it's going to reduce the number of cases. And like, like churches, churches, you know, I'm liberal. One of the things that, um, one of the problems I do find with some of the liberal point of view, there, there are a couple of things that I think we can understand better. And church is one of them. And I think that church is really, really important to people. It's also true that it's very much the kind of place where the disease can spread easily. And you have a lot of old folks in church too. So we really have to, um, oh, yeah. you know, you, you got to be very, very, careful of that but i i think you know there, there were ways there could have been imaginative ways that I, I think we as a society didn't address that could have addressed some of those issues but you know staying on the the corona a couple of my buddies they own the uh grave digging business around here oh right uh-huh. so they 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 dig the graves and bury the folks mm-hmm. and i tell you funerals is a, is a hot spot for stuff to spread yes yes so yes I mean, you got, we, we've, we've had to do the, the Corona funerals and the Corona, we call it the Corona setup where we have to spread the chairs out and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot, a lot of people come from all over the place to go to funerals and yeah. They, uh, and they don't, they just spread it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So do you have any final thoughts for this first episode? No, not on this one. I think we're gonna to have to get on the topic of politics and sports, though, one day. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I have some uh, interesting options. You know, my final thought is as we 
launch this and as we go forward is, you know, we had a, you and I had a real nice civil conversation. We disagree on things, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as we go forward, as whatever happens next Tuesday with this election, we're going to have half the country real happy and half the country real upset. And whichever way it goes, you know, it is my hope that all of us can start to to reach out and start having some of these civil conversations because I think I think I'm speaking of both sides when I say this. I think that the country is too important to let go, and uh, the other side is too important to let go, and we have to to do a little bit of outreach because we got a lot of got a lot of repair to do. Hey, you got you got a couple miles to feed, and I got a I got a few. Yep, yep. That's true. So <laughs> you st- you still we still got it. I still got to make ends meet and put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I want to thank everybody. If you've been listening this far, I want to thank you. And we're going to come at you next week with some more insight and some civilized conversation. And we hope everybody get out there and vote. If you haven't voted yet, get out there and vote and go vote. Yep. And we'll, we'll talk soon. <laughs>